0: Thank you so much for this time, Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity we have to come and to worship you, Lord, to spend this time in your word and and song singing to you. And God, now I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, we need a word for today. And I pray that you would give us ears to hear what it is the Spirit wants to say to us today. And God, I pray that you would empower me, Lord, uh, that you would speak through me, that you would give me a word for your people this morning. And we just thank you for this time, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I've entitled this message, Called to Shine. Called to Shine. Now as right now, as we live obviously in dark times, right, I don't think I need to remind you, uh, but I will. I mean, that's just the reality of the world we live in right now. If you look at the headlines, it can definitely be pretty dark and depressing, because the reality is, and I've tried to go away from this, but it's just everywhere you look, right? We are in the middle of political upheaval. Uh, the race conversations are, are pretty intense, for sure. Um, it's it's putting to neighbor against neighbor and friend against friend, uh, let alone the tension, I think, that's arisen from just the ongoing riots and protests and, and so forth and And as you think about those things, I mean, even within the church, Uh, this past week I was at a pastor's meeting. It's the first time we've met as Northwest pastors uh, since January, and they're all going through it. All of us are going through it. All of us are kind of going through this time that can be, at at times, it can feel pretty bleak as you think about that. And so we have all this stuff interwoven with COVID-19. And then we think about just all the regular stuff that was already there, which is sickness and murders and all these crazy things that are going on, um, all in the midst of it. You know, I was just reminded, too, this past week, and I'm sure you guys heard already about Chadwick Boseman, the young man who played Black Panther in the Marvel uh, movies, just passed away. He lost his battle to colon cancer. And, and, and it's pretty sad, right? He played Jackie Robinson in the movie 42 and... Uh, Uh, just a slew of other things that he's done, and you you think, okay, we've got just just the natural downside of just sin in the world, along with everything else, and it can just seem overwhelming, and it definitely makes our current climate feel really dark, but what's the answer to all that? What is the answer to all that? Well, what do you do when we have a power outage here on the island, what we call Sean? No, I'm just kidding. What do we do? we turn on the light, right? We light a candle. We get the flashlights out. We get lanterns, right? We bring light into the darkness. And as if you think about that as maybe a metaphor, just a picture of us as children of God, what do we do, right? What is the answer to the current uh, darkness that we're in right now? Well, we turn on the light. Now, obviously, the textbook answer would be like, yeah, we need more of Jesus. But here this morning in Paul's text, he definitely gets a little bit more personal, and it's really a call for us as the church, because I believe as the church, we are called to shine. We're called to shine. Now, obviously, as we think about these things, right here, Paul, one of the key verses here in verse 15, he says there, in response to the heaviness that's going on, in response to the division, and even, even the, facing the reality of the humiliation of Jesus... Paul reminds the Philippian church, and I believe as a reminder to us today as the church, right, we are children of God. Children of God that are called to shine bright, right in the middle of this dark generation that Paul even goes further and says they are crooked and perverse. We're called to give light. Just as the sun and the moon gives off its light, and and you think about that, how intense Right, as a young kid, I mean, what were we told as a young kid, right, to, to, when in reference to the sun? Don't look directly at the sun. And what do we do as kids? We well, look at the sun, and then you're walking around with this green light everywhere, right, because it just totally hits you. But the idea is that the, how the light just shines bright in the middle of all this and illuminates the things around us, God has called us as the church, right, to shine because we're tapped into the sun, S-O-N, right, the sun. Look at at what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, in the Beatitudes, something that He told uh, those early believers, and this is the reality for me and you. He says this, He says, He says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Taking some of the lyrics, right, of of Brian Layton's favorite song, Shine, from the Newsboys, it says this, the main chorus, Shine, make them wonder what you got. Remember that? It's so catchy. Make them wish that they were not on the outside looking bored. Shine, let it shine before all men. Let them see good works and then... Let him glorify the Lord. Shine. Do you remember that? I remember these guys. Yes, thank you. I remember these kids, man. When I first came to the Lord, I was totally into like heavy metal, death metal, punk. And they're all, we need to give something to Joe so he can really connect with the church. Here, listen to this rock group. And it was like those songs. I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's not. Yeah, yeah, that's connecting. Well, okay. Yeah. Maybe not musically, but the lyrics were amazing. The lyrics, and if you think about the call for us as this sh- the church to shine. Why? Because one day, one day, if you look at the verses right before verse 12, it says that one day every knee will bow. Every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day. And when you think about this idea of us calling to shine, of why it's so, it's so, it's so important and so critical that the church shines is that one day we're all, going to confess that. For some, we're going to confess that and complete and the utter worship, right, of just finally seeing Jesus face to face, our salvation having been complete, to be able to get on one knee and say, man, you are the Lord of Lords. You are Jesus Christ. But the other reality is that one day some people will bow and utter surrender that happened on the wrong side of eternity. That's a heavy deal when you think about the reality of that that some, that Jesus will actually look to some and say, depart from me, I never knew you. When you think about that, what it does for us as a church, it actually raises the stakes. They're high. The stakes are high. And so what has God done for the church? Well, He's called us to shine because one day, right, as I said, one day every knee will bow and we are called to shine. So this morning, there's three elements of our call to shine, right, as light bearers of who Jesus is. So the first thing we see is in verse 12 and 13, right, He works in you so that He can shine out of you. Look at the first two verses. Paul tells them because of these things, because one day every knee will bow. Because Jesus humbled Himself in death and gave up, if you will, like Evan said last week, the perks of His Godhood and laid those aside and humbled Himself on our behalf. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. See, Paul recognizes the Philippian church, like many of us, right, they where they obeyed the Lord when Paul was present. But now that Paul was gone and in prison, there was a struggle that was happening. And so Paul just simply here, just encouraging them, hey, now it's time for you guys to work out your own salvation. You don't need me. Your salvation is not wrapped up in Paul the Apostle. It's wrapped up in Jesus. So, so now, because of all these things, the reality of what Jesus has done, right? surrender to the Lord. Work out your own salvation with trembling and fear. Now. And one aspect, I know it in the past, I've always kind of like, what does that exactly mean? Well, well well two things. One, there's a sense of humility that comes with that grace of God that's been poured out for me and you. By every one of us. And I think, again, as I said before, we can spend some time and we can, we can share our stories. Everyone has a past, a background, a moment where we finally came to Jesus. And, and one thing might be common in all of us. Man, we don't deserve His mercy. We don't deserve His grace. In fact, right in Ephesians 2, He says, right, that it is by grace that you are saved. And this is not of your own, but it's a gift of God. And so then Paul says, "Now is the time, so to speak, to take the training wheels off. It's time to work out your salvation with trembling and fear, with a sense of humility. You see, we are saved, but God did not take us home to heaven. I mean, there's one aspect when you know Paul, I mean, it's one of the things that Jesus said in John chapter 17 and telling the disciples, man, look. I'm saving you and and, and this salvation is going to be complete, right? He's basically telling them what's about to happen, but I'm leaving you here on purpose. I could definitely take you with me, but I'd rather leave you here. And here, Paul makes a connection so that we might be light in the middle of darkness, right? So work out this salvation with trembling and fear. In other words, how does our salvation interact with work? And friends and school and relationship, and parents and and what you watch and what you listen to. How do all these things come in when it comes to temptation and sin? And all these areas to work out our salvation. I remember early on, you know, because I was just so pumped uh, that God had rescued me. Where I was somewhat religious when I was growing up, you know. To this extent, um, I was out living on my own. And one of the things I was doing, right, just because um, at that stage of my life, I was still selling drugs and whatnot and and making deals at work, uh, but I still had a sense of of religion. And so every now and then I would go to H-E-B, which is our local grocery store, and I would buy these candles, right? And so I would buy, and I I wish I could remember this saint, but it was like the saint of like... Like safe travels or something like that. So, my mindset was I would, before I would leave to work and go do my dealings, I would light this candle because I wanted to be protected in all my dealings and so forth. I know it was like a weird warped theology, but that's what it was, right? And so, that's what I would do. And especially anytime I passed a church, I would do the sign of the cross because I wanted to make sure I was covered in all my bases. Lit the candle, did the sign of the cross. And so, then God rescued me, and I just got excited about that. And I just wanted to tell everybody that, man, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. So I remember at one time I went to my my aunt's house and she had all these candles lit up. So all these different saints are all over the house. And I was like, Thea, you don't need these candles anymore, man. Jesus is the only way. And so I went out and blew out all her candles. Um, Needless to say, I was not invited back for a while, you know. And what was lacking there, I really, in some ways, this fear and trembling fear and trembling. In some ways, what's happening right now and what we're seeing in our culture is that maybe we're not doing that, but in some ways, us as followers of Jesus, we're blowing out other people's candles right now in the middle of this upheaval. We're blowing out candles rather than coming with this sense of humility. This humi- this humility, right? And, and, and instead coming with this air of, of arrogance. But the reality is that Paul is saying here is to work out your work out your salvation with fear and trembling is this. It's a sense of self-distrust. It's to have this tender conscience of knowing that, you know what, having tact when people don't believe like you, vote like you, act like you. Why? Because we know that, man, God's grace has been poured on us. It was, it was simply a gift of God. And there's this Paul says, man, God is working in us not to convince people Not to tell people, well, look, you're wrong and you're dumb for doing this and doing that. But really, to have an opportunity to share the love of Jesus. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 9. (laughs) Whoa, mama! Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 9.26. Look what he says there. It's very sobering in this way. He says this. Kind of taking the metaphor of a boxer, he says this. Therefore... I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. In other words, I let God work in me so that as I minister to others, with how I behave and what I say, it doesn't put up a barrier so that people might hear the love of Jesus. Right? That's what Paul says there, right? God works in us so that He can shine from us. Right? But here's the good news, right? Look at it says in verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. See, because we are children of God, as we work out our salvation because of the work of Jesus, we are joining His work. It's a partnership. As we obey God, He works in us. God's invited us into this fellowship of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as we are in this fellowship, that fellowship with God then is also working in us, giving us the power. Because I'm telling you, it's not easy. I'm sure like many of you, you know, we have our opinions. But the reality is that God wants to work in us so that He can shine out of us. That's the call. Because the calling is so much greater to shine right now. As we look at our current culture and so forth, the need for followers of Jesus to represent Jesus, man, is greater. It's greater than ever before. Look at the next thing here. In regards to us, our call to shine. Number two, shine, don't whine. Shine, don't whine. Look at the next verses. And some of you kids, I got to believe that this is probably some of mom's favorite memory verses, right? Look at this. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God. How many moms have put that up? Like, kids, you need to memorize this. I, I know the GOM is kids, for sure. It's been up there forever, right? More at me, because it's always awkwardly at my height level, that memory verse. So maybe it was for me, right? But this is key here for us. Right, he says, Do all things without complaining. Now there'll be a why, why this is important here for us. Right? Doing all things. Following Jesus is not just for Sundays or for special occasions. Following Jesus as us as light bearers is to allow Jesus to be a part of every part of who we are. And I get it, there's times when we can kind of like turn it off and on, so to speak. Like, this is how i act with my Christian friends. But when I'm with not my Christian friends, then we just kind of do whatever. And the idea is like, no, the stakes are high. And so it's a time to shine in all aspects of life, in our parenting, in our marriages, in our work, in our school, in our relationships, in our serving, in our giving, in our church life, all aspects of life. Because in the Greek, all means what? All. It's just like that. Boom. All, all, things, right? Do all things without complaining and disputing. Now, here's the rowdy part, and this is like convicting, for, for, at least for me. The word complaining, it means grumbling or murmuring. And here's where it gets really intense. He says, do all things without, and I'll just lay out the definition, expressing your internal reaction to a situation, either to yourself or to others. It actually means just simply being a complainer, just someone who, who grumbles and so forth. So, you know, it's really what the children of Israel constantly did in the wilderness, right? As soon as they got mad at Moses, what would they do? Complain. Moses, we have nothing to eat here. Man, back when we were in Egypt, you know, we had, we had, we had leeks, and which, I don't know, that doesn't sound appealing to me, but they were, like, complaining. Like, they had leeks, and we had cucumbers. We had all this food. All this food, but what did they forget? What did they also have back in Egypt? Anyone? Slavery! They were, it's really quick, right? We forget where we come from and we begin to complain. But here's what happens when we complain. When we complain, we actually get in the way of what God wants to do. Right, that's why Paul says there, do all things without complaining and disputing The word disputing means straight up arguing with our fellow man simply because we believe we're right. Right? It's a call for us. right? We might think, well, I'm right. I know I'm right. So therefore, I must speak up. Well, for what? What are we trying to accomplish by getting our points across or arguing our points? I think the, the perfect example, and we're seeing it over and over and over again, is social media. We're tr- what are we trying to accomplish with our facts and points of view? And I've seen it even in Christian circles, arguing with one another. But if we're honest, I mean, what are, what are we trying to accomplish with that? See, the reality is when we're busy complaining, especially about other people, whether it be our spouses, our friends, or even our neighbors, we're missing opportunities to shine the light. We're missing opportunities to be the light, and then this is a rhetorical question, but how has arguing and disputing changed people's minds, really? I mean, think about it. Have you ever gotten into an argument telling somebody how, much, how wrong they are in the thinking, and then they've walked away like, oh, you're right. Thank you for, for changing my mind. No, I, I don't think it's ever happened. I have yet to see it. But what does the Bible say? It's this kindness that leads to repentance. And talk about a backwards way of the world right now. To be able to come with kindness and love and empathy and understanding, to hear one another out, to actually have tact, to be able to, to get to step into somebody else's shoes to see where they're coming from, all for the sake of being the light of Jesus. And here's the big why. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Why? So that we might become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as light. See, the Bible says, guys, we're called to shine. Like, that's the answer for us right now. Like, when we see all this craziness, I know this past week, right, we had the RNC, then before we had the DNC, and we're just seeing the conflict and so forth. We might think, well, something needs to be done. Something has to be done. Well, the Bible says it. Shine. Shine as a light. Shine as a light for Jesus in the middle of this, right, so that we might be children of God. God has, has made the answer for all the craziest in the world. He's made it you guys, the church, the church who lives and breathes the love of Jesus, right? In the midst of, of darkness, people are not looking for people to show them their wrong or their way of thinking is dumb or inferior, Right? Now, again, it's not like we're overlooking people's sin. But how, when you look at the Gospels, especially when you look at the woman caught at adultery, how did Jesus respond to her? Man, with love. I mean, then eventually, I mean, especially then He tells her at the end, right, go and sin no more. But the heart was looking for ways. I mean, I mean, one of the words the Lord just keeps giving me over and over during this time, um, and I see it all the time, is I'm called right now to look for opportunity, not opposition. And I believe the love of Jesus calls us, compels us to do that, to act on behalf of Jesus, right? In John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 12, this is what Jesus said. He said, he spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life, but have the light of life. Which brings us to our third point, hold on to Jesus, Look at the next one. So Paul says there, "...holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me." On one aspect you can see Paul just really just sharing his heart with the Philippians like man I have I have just poured out my life for you guys. I have just poured out a drink offering was just a, literally being poured out on the altar, right? They would just kind of end in a vapor. That's that's the heart that he's poured out for them. But the final words really for them is to hold fast the word of life. Right? If we're going to shine for Jesus, if we're going to be a light in the darkness, the idea is to hold on to Jesus. Now, it's not just like a cutesy, like, I'm going to hold on. That sounds really cozy, like to hold Jesus. But that the wording is that we take the Word of God and we let God's Word transform the way we look at and operate within our culture. We actually allow God's Word to be applied in our lives so that it affects how we respond to relationships and politics and, and marriage and and all the other struggles that come, to actually take God at His word and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to hold on, and I'm going to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. And rather than pointing the finger, rather than trying to convince someone, man, I'm going to approach him the way you did, to meet him right where they're at. And to love them right where that. That's what the word holding fast, it's, it's talking about just simply applying God's Word to every situation in our life. I believe that as the church, like, man, I, I believe in putting our trust in Jesus. That there's a real opportunity for us as a church to bring light in the middle of times of hopelessness and darkness. Because I really believe that people are looking for hope. Right now, in some cases, they're trying to find it in political heroes or policy change, but the reality is it's only gonna come when they come face to face with the one who created them and the one who was who made them in his own image. And that comes as we as followers of Jesus hold on to him. Hold on to Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we are light bearers, shining the light of the sun, SON over all creation. We can shine because we have one who shined brightly before us. I mean, think about this last section of verses. Jesus humbled himself and he voluntarily chose not to use his prerogatives of deity to make his journey here on earth easier. No, he took on the form of a bondservant and he served humanity. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. And then he's calling us as the church to hold on to Him. Because again, we're not the light, but we're called to hang on to Jesus so that we can reflect the light of Jesus. The one who died on our behalf. The one who came and said, I am the light of the world. The one who wants to bring light and illuminate the darkness we're in. And it comes by hanging on to Jesus. Because we as a church are called to shine. That's our calling. Like, that's our charge right now as the church, is to shine. Man, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time, Jesus. We thank you for the grace that you've given us in the middle of all this. And, and if anything, it's a call.